You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents The Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country. This is The Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show Every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Speedy Petey, it is a beautiful day. It's been beautiful out here on Long Island in its 50s and 60s. It's not too warm, so I'm liking it. But on Wednesday, it was in its 70s. I think it was like 75. Once it gets to the 70s, 75, when the humidity comes out and the bugs are flying out, which I saw for the first time. Time, yes. I guess you could say I've seen mosquitoes. Oh, boy. <laughs> when you see mosquitoes, it means summer is coming and I'm getting ready to be bitten. But the last couple of days have been beautiful, and I'm looking forward to the summer if it's not too hot. How are you? Doing fine. Happy Easter to everyone celebrating, and happy Passover. All our Jewish fans that are listening, enjoy whatever holiday festivities you will be celebrating. The holiday world is what I call it. This is holiday time for everybody in the nation, so we really appreciate you guys tuning in tonight. Tail end of the hockey and basketball season. Playoffs are right around the corner. Right now, there's only two New York teams in both sports that are making the playoffs. You have the Brooklyn Nets, and then there's the Rangers that are playing very good hockey. They have a 50-goal scorer. And then the Islanders started off horrible, and that has a lot to do with not having a home for a whole month. And then the COVID situation that really hurt the Islanders, losing almost nine players at a significant time. Worked really, really hard to get back into the mix of things. But they're going to fall short. We are going to get into the Mike Bossy situation. Mike Bossy passes away. And we're going to talk about him, about all the things that he did for the New York Islanders organization. And really one of the best prolific scorers we've ever seen. A franchise that really transitioned what the NHL is today. Mm -hmm. I would say the last true dynasty in any sport. When was the last dynasty team in any sport that won four championships in a row? There's nobody that's won four championships in a row. The Lakers won three in a row. Football, the last one was... The Patriots back-to-back. In the 90s, Dallas was back-to-back, but it was only two. Baseball, there hasn't been a back-to-back since the Yankees. The Yankees had the four and five years. The Islanders were the last four in a row. That's a good trivia question. It's an amazing story where the Islanders were in the 80s and really what this dynasty turned out to be. We will get into the NBA, which the playoffs are about to begin. Brooklyn, they're matched up with Boston. Very interesting. Boston, who has, I hate to admit this, the defensive player of the year, Marcus (laughs) Smart. And really, Tatum and... And Jalen Brown, who's had fantastic years. Tatum, who really just burst from the first half to the second half. Completely different player. Jeff, he tells me that the coach should be coach of the year. No. The coach of the year is either Taylor Jenkins of the Grizzlies or Monty Williams. Monty Williams. It's Monty Williams. Monty Williams fell short last year against uh, Tom Thibodeau. I do not see him falling short again this year with Phoenix and what Phoenix has done this year, which has been arguably one of the best teams we've seen it since the Golden State Warriors won 70-something games. This team is going to be the team to beat in the playoffs. By the way, I saw a stat. You're going to like this. The highest win totals in franchise history for the Rockets, the Clippers, the Hornets, and the Suns, all with Chris Paul. Uh. (laughs) 
And nobody thinks Chris Paul's the best point guard in the NBA. Figure that one out. Nobody gives Chris Paul any credit for what he's Yeah, done. everyone thinks Steph Curry's a better all-time point guard. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he's better than Jason Kidd, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas. Give me a break. Moneyline Mania. Very excited to get these guys on. They're fantastic. They know what they're talking about. And if you're tuning in, you guys are going to win some money. Cash those tickets. And we're also going to have a very special guest. We will be talking to former NFL safety and founder of Sneakerhead University, Antoine Harris. Fantastic kid. We've had him on the show. Very, very funny. Good man. He really is. Good father and a good person to talk to. And a good friend of Eric Coleman. (laughs) Yes. Our old friend on this show who is knocking it out of the park right now with the betting show on MSG and hosting different things for MSG. I I give Eric a lot of credit. He's worked really, really hard and he's slowly but surely becoming a star here in New York. Appreciate his friendship. So shout out to Eric Coleman as well. And we will get into baseball. Aaron Judge did not sign. Luis Savarino is going to be looking for a new contract in the offseason as well. The Yankees are going to have to decide what they're going to do with this because because if they decide to give Aaron Judge what he wants, where it's probably going to be between 250 and $300 million, what are they going to do with Luis Savarino? If he has a Cy Young year, which he, right now it looks like he might, 2.25 ERA, his whip is like close to one. He's just been the best pitcher for the New York Yankees. That's a good sign for the New York Yankees. Garrett Cole has not looked good, but I think that will change as the season goes along and it gets a little bit hotter out. So I don't expect Garrett Cole to look as bad as he has. But let's get into Mike because Mike Bossy revolutionized the offensive style power forward player. The game changed when Mike Bossy showed up in it. And if you look at Mike Bossy and you look at his statistics, they're utterworldly. There is no player we'll ever see in history in the next 25 years to do what Mike Bossy has done in the 70s and 80s. In 1977, Mike Bossy played 73 games. He scored 53 goals and 38 assists from 91 points in his rookie season. 1978 to 79, 80 games, 69 goals, 57 assists, 126 points. 1979 and 1980, 75 games, 51 goals, 41 assists, 92 points. 80-81, 79 games, 68 goals, 51 assists, 119 points. 1981, which I thought was his best year, not because of goals, but because of his all-around game. He played 80 games, 64 goals, 83 assists for 147 points. And we could go on and on and on of what Mike Bossy has done. 10 straight seasons with 50 or more goals. As prolific as an offensive player is, when we talk about Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux and Gordie Howe, the best offensive players of a generation, you have to put Mike Bossy in between all of them. Mike Bossy, who smoked a lot of cigarettes, passed away from lung cancer. I've heard stories about Mike Bossy. Each period, he'd go to the back and smoke a cigarette or two and get back on the ice. The man has smoked really his whole career and throughout his retirement. Some people say he wasn't as nice of a guy off the ice as he was on the ice, and he wasn't a nice guy on the ice. I don't know Mike Bossy personally. I met Mike Bossy twice, talked. 20, 30 minutes with the guy and had a hockey conversation with him. But all in all, he signed all my stuff and I don't usually get autographs. And Mike Bossy is a true Long Islander. He supported the Islanders from day one. Never played for another team. He was an Islander through and through. His 10-year career was fantastic. He didn't have one bad year. His worst year was 38 goals and 37 assists. If that's a bad year, sign me up. The man was revolutionized by his offensive ability. Smart, educated, understand the game, Canadian-born, special player. Al Arbor, who may he rest in peace, said something very interesting about Mike Bossy that I'll always remember. He's never coached a player as offensively as sound as him. 
coming from one of the greatest coaches in NHL history, one of the greatest players to ever play this game. Mike Bossy will only and always be remembered as the best offensive player the New York Islanders have ever had. Absolutely. And you talk about the influence for the Islanders coming into the league as an expansion team in the 70s. And that team, that dynasty, even the startup of it was fueled by somebody like Mike Bossy offensively. When you look at the way he played the game, you were talking about the power forward, those tough goals that he would score, but also having all these 100-point seasons, which is something that was hard to come by in the 60s and the 70s, especially once the expansion team started getting going. And He had eight of those in his career. He only played 11 seasons comparatively, but he had eight 100-point seasons, game-winning goals. He led the league in three different times. And .76 goals per game is the best among players of 150 games. He is tied with Wayne Gretzky for the most 60-goal seasons and is the only player that scored 50 goals in nine straight seasons. So for an expansion team like that, a guy that's won four Stanley Cups, a guy that's had clutch game-winning goals. Well, that's going to change now. Alexander Ovechkin will be there. Sure. At that time, when it was harder to come by, Mm -hmm. you have only certain guys that could play to that level for that consistently and Mike Bossy did that and the influence the leadership that he had with the rest of this Islanders team the way they did for four straight Stanley Cups in a row and they even went to another one the next year they lost against Edmonton should have won that by the way that series yeah nevertheless to empower a community like that Long Island that it was the first professional team there it was a whole new experiment. Everyone knew about New York, but they wanted to expand it somewhere else. They wanted to expand it close by. He really was a big reason for the uplifting of the popularity of hockey on Long Island as we know it. Having that offensive talent, that flash, and having somebody that productive scoring goals. You need that kind of thing to get a community going for the NHL when you're an expansion team. So he really influenced the game in that way as well. So rest in peace, Mike Bossy. Thoughts and prayers to all of his family sending condolences. Mike Bossy also was something the game needs here on Long Island. The people out here wanted a star, wanted a guy to look up to in the late 70s and early 80s. And sports out here on the island has really blown up now Mm -hmm. than it ever has. But in those times, hockey wasn't big here. Basketball, we had a Long Island team where Dr. J came from. Roosevelt played for the Long Island Nets before they became... Yeah, when they were in the ABA. Yes, the New Jersey Nets. And baseball, obviously, the Yankees and the Mets. And they were an expansion team. They won one championship. And Long Islanders were looking for that next championship, which took all the way to 1986 to win. There was no other Long Island team besides the Islanders. The Islanders really transitioned what sports... and what hockey was here on the island and what it is today. If you look at all the different Long Islanders that have come out here that became stars in the NHL, one right now on the Rangers, Fox, played in Wontall. Uh, Another guy, McElvoy, who was from Long Beach, who plays for the Boston Bruins. We could go up and down some of the great island players that have come from here and that have significantly made noise in the NHL. It really speaks volumes and really makes the thought of what the Islanders did in the 70s and the 80s to be very, very special. And it has a lot to do with Mike Bossy because Mike Bossy held the torch to this team. He was the heart and soul of this team. And that's why this team was one of the greatest teams in professional sports history. It was the last dynasty. You can ever remember to win four championships. And that's what's special about what Mike Bossy was and what he stood for. And may he rest in peace. And a shout out to the Bossy family. Because it is a sad situation. We lost Clark Gillies this year and Mike Bossy, two captains of this Islander team. And who would have thought 
that they both would die in the same year, mm-hmm. around the same time. It's sad, but it just shows you how close together these players and this team was all in all. All so, homegrown. So. Yes. It's fantastic. Al Arbor, may he rest in peace, really changed the game as a coach, and he had the players that really changed the game for what it was at that time and for what it is today. Going to another team right now, the New York Rangers that are heading to the playoffs, not the Islanders, unfortunately. And the Islanders, second half, where the Islanders were one of the best teams in the NHL, played really, really good hockey at the end of the season, but it was a little too late for the Islanders, unfortunately. It would have to be a miracle. Washington would have to lose every one of their games. They're not losing either. They've only lost once the last two weeks. They would have to lose every one of their games for the Islanders to make it. Just don't see it happening. The Islanders are done. They had a very good season in the second half, and you have have to give the Islanders a lot of credit. Their goaltending really started out in the second half of the season. Sorokin, who is not going to get a lot of credit for a Venziana Trophy this year because his team didn't make the playoffs, but he was standing on his head all season long. The Islanders finally can say they have a goaltender of the future, a guy that they can depend on moving forward for the next 10 years if this kid wants to stay here and not go back to Russia or play for another team. So it's something to cheer about. I think the Islanders are missing an offensive player. But to get back to the Rangers, this team has been one of the best teams in the NHL. And you have to give them a lot of credit for what Golan has done to this team, the transition of this team, the way this defense has played this year. Now, believe it or not, the Rangers have a better goals against than the Islanders do. The Rangers right now, goals against third for a team that was not known to be a defensively sound team. Golan has really taken this team to another level. You want to give a lot of credit to Chris Drury, that's fine. He put this team together in certain aspects. This is the same team that John Davidson put together. The players are playing under a a different regime of management, and that's why they're a different team. Golan has this team playing on all cylinders. Offensively, which they're one of the best offensive teams in the NHL, and now arguably one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. I give a lot of credit to their coach, management of the team, and yes, a player that stood for not only for this team over the years, and a lot of fans wanted out of here. They're 50-goal scorer. And Speedy, you know who I'm talking about. Mr. Chris Kreider, yes. I remember three years ago at the trade deadline, everybody wanted them to trade him and not pay him the $6 million, $7 million contract that he wanted. Now, granted, he was still a good player in other areas. He was a great passer, defense. He could hit a little bit, but he never was a sniper. Now he has 50 goals this season. Fantastic. Fantastic. 71 points overall and still doing all the other things too. Doing everything else fits that system greatly with the physicality that Gallant brings and the defense, as you mentioned, third in the goals against. The Which only, is amazing. With the only teams that are better right now are Carolina and Calgary. They have a lot more on paper talent on their defense. It definitely shows a lot about the system. It shows a lot about forwards buying into playing defense themselves. Guys like Zibanejad and Strom that have looked better. Even some of the young players, they've played a lot better defensively. And the young defensemen, I think, really making a difference in that. They play in different spurts, but they've all seemed to fit in some way. Braden Schneider's come up and looked good. Zach Jones, in the limited time he's played, has been good. Need depth in the playoffs to do well. And the Rangers have a lot more of it than we ever would have ever thought at the start of the season. And they're getting the production now from the Stars. Panarin's played a lot better in the second half of the season. Zibanejad's been pretty steady all year, too. Adam Fox, he's a special player. <laughs> yes, he is a special player. He's up for a Norris Trophy again this year. Is he going to win? Probably not. They don't usually give back-to-back trophies. No, I think Roman Yossi's going to win So this do year. I. Adam Fox. 
Fox is a special player. He's a special kid. Uh, that was another move by, yes, John Davidson. He made the trade. It was with Carolina. Carolina. It was originally the Flames draft pick that was traded to Carolina in a different deal. It came out of nowhere, too, because Carolina was a good team that year. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals, but they had so much other defensemen that they felt they didn't have room for him. And then there was a lot of decision. Boy, oh boy they're smacking themselves in the head right now. <laughs> yeah, now they have a lot of the other Rangers, old ones now. Brady Shea, Brendan Smith. Yes. Now. So, Who played well this year. He played better than he did ever did with the Rangers. Well, but it's still. also the system. Brandon Smith played on this system. I think he'd be a better player. Sure. It was just weird because it wasn't even thought of it. It was also one of those things where a lot of fans wanted him to not come up right away, too, because they didn't think yeah. he was even ready at that time. And he blossomed right away and never looked back. You look at the Rangers, and there's nothing that you can say that this team has a weakness in it. Their goaltending has been one of the best in the league, too. Sustorkin has been fantastic. 34-11 and 11 this year, 2.09 goals against average. His save percentage is amongst the best in the league, .934. He's been a fantastic goaltender. He's probably going to win the Venzina Trophy this year. We all know Fox will be up for the Norris Trophy. He'll probably fall short. Chris Crotter will be up for MVP. He'll fall short. Yeah, I think Matthews or McDavid is a lot. McDavid's. I think McDavid. He's the best player in the NHL. Oh, yeah. And then Sestorkin, I think he will win Goalie of the Year. I think he's been the best Goalie of the Year. The most consistent goaltender in the NHL. The Rangers have finally another Venzina Trophy winner, but They've had years and years of it. If you go back in the 80s, John Van Beesbrook won a Venziana Trophy. Henrik Lundqvist won a Venziana Trophy in the 2000s. And now you have Igor Shishorkin. Goaltending has never been a problem for the New York Rangers. It's always been a strength for them. The weakness of the Rangers over the years is defense. They just never were a good defensively sound team. Even when they won the Stanley Cup in the 90s with Jeff Bukaboom, Brian Leach, Sergey Zuboff. That team was a good defensive team, but not a great defensive team. What you've seen Gallant bring to the table is a defensively sound, managed team that are playing together as one unit. And that's what Barry Trotz brought to the Islanders and changed the New York Islanders. And that's what Gallant has done for the Rangers. The Rangers will be going. I think they matched up against Pittsburgh. As of right now, but they have surged a little bit where they're only two points behind the Hurricanes, so they still could get the number one spot. It'll be hard, which I don't want to be because then they'd have to play against the Bruins, which I think have a better playoff identity than the Penguins do. So Yes, I would be afraid of the Bruins. It's crazy to say this is Tampa is they're playing good hockey. After that trade, this team was you know, the last wild card. They were spot. a wild card team for a little bit, flip flopping with the Bruins, but they were a wild card team for a good stretch, more than we ever saw before. You do not want to play the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. They're going to have another surge. They have arguably the best goalie in the NHL. Fezolovsky has been the best goalie in the NHL for the last seven years. When you get into the playoffs and you're playing a seven game series, you need good goaltending. You need a goaltender that is going to be a wall for you. And he is the guy. And he will be the guy going into the playoffs. It won't be Shostorkin. He's never really had the opportunity to, to face playoff teams and, and offenses that are as good as he's going to see going into this year's Stanley Cup playoffs. But I'm excited for the NHL playoffs, and, and Ranger fans should be excited. Are they going to be a Stanley Cup championship team? I still think they're going to fall short this year. I think they're missing st- certain things. We're going to see in the playoffs the weaknesses that they're going to have. But all in all, the Rangers have nothing to cry about. And who knows? Maybe they do go to the Stanley Cup Finals. It'll be interesting if they end up playing Carolina. If they, Say they win their first round series against the Penguins because they have all those ex-Rangers on the team. I mentioned the two defensemen and also Derek Stepan's there too. So will they be able to recognize the tendencies of these young players or the other way different, around? It's a different team. Out of all those Rangers... Who played with those Rangers on this Ranger team still? Derek Stefan, there was nobody that played on that team when Derek Stefan was there. 
Kreider did, and Zibanejad did the first year, but then Stepan got traded after that, yeah, the next he season. barely played with Derek Stepan. Derek Stepan hasn't been there in a long time. Yes, he's an ex-Ranger. I always thought that the Rangers were crazy getting rid of him. I, I thought he was a very big heart and soul of that team, especially the playoffs. He did make the playoffs. He was one of their best players. I expect the Rangers to have a very good playoff and a very good playoff run, so I'm excited. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking to former NFL safety and founder of the Sneakerhead University, Antoine Harris, here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. I've been waiting to get this guy on. We haven't talked to him in two years. It's amazing, and his sneaker company is just bursting out of Atlanta. We're very excited to have him on. We are now talking to former NFL safety and founder of the Sneakerhead University. Yes, our friend, Antoine Harris. Antoine, what's going on, buddy? How you guys doing? First of all, I'd like to apologize. Uh, <laughs> Just... Blame it on my head, not my heart. <laughs> I definitely meant to do that. I have way more inventory now, so it may have done a, It might have been a good thing because now I have, you have more to choose from. Well, you know something? We really appreciate you even joining us with your busy schedule. As you saw Eric Coleman yesterday at MSG, flexing and doing the things that he <laughs> always does. But how are you doing? How is your company doing right now since the last time we talked? I'm doing okay. Life has been moving along. I'm full-time dad. That's been really good for me. Unfortunately, I lost my mom since the last time I talked to you guys. So sorry was, to hear so that. So sorry for uh, that. Uh, I appreciate it. And my aunt, her sister, which has been kind of tough. But other than that, I've been blessed to have everybody healthy, everybody safe. My dad's doing well, and the sneakers are still coming in and out. Well, that's always good. You're making money, and that's the most important thing when you got to support a family now. So there you go. For sure. As everybody knows, we are talking to former NFL safety and founder of Sneakerhead University, Antoine Harris. Now, let's get down to football, my friend. I am looking at this Rams team. They're getting better and better. This offseason, they win the Super Bowl last year. They lose Von Miller to $120 million, overpaid by Buffalo. Makes no sense. I know he's hey, a great player. Hey. Don't judge the player getting his money. Okay, there you go. Yeah, as long but, as you said that. Yes. But Bobby Wagner signs with them for $50 million. He's one of the best linebackers still in all of the NFL. Allen Robertson goes over there, takes, I think, a lesser contract to go over there and try to win a Super Bowl. And now we're hearing the Honey Bachelor is heading <laughs> over there as well. He is batching his way over over there to L.A. What are your thoughts to this Rams team going into next season? They're trying to come back. They're trying to do it again. And why wouldn't they? Losing a guy like Von Miller, that's a tough loss for them. But at the same time, when you pick up somebody like Bobby Wagner, that's another good defensive guy that comes in. He's a leader. He knows how to win. He's won before. I think they're trying to compete again. They're trying to go back to back. It's tough, but they're trying to run it back again. And I'm not mad at it. I respect it. And I respect Von Miller for going out and getting his money because, you know, I'm always an advocate of guys getting their money while they can before some bad injury happens because it's not about if you're going to get hurt. It's more so when you're going to get hurt. So I'm all for Von getting his money. The last time we had you on the show, Antoine, you and Errol were bantering about that when it came to Jamal Adams. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was money. right at the time when those get rumors were swirling. So, yeah. Yeah, my question is, from a team perspective, have you ever seen anything like that extreme difference the way the Rams are doing? Trading away all those draft picks. You saw Les Sedin at the parade having the shirt that says, 
asterisk from them picks. Are you just going to become a new trend or is it just an LA thing? The funny thing is Les Snead was in the front office when I was in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of understand his mentality and I know what he's trying to do. And he knows how to go out and get guys who know how to play football. And it's not all about the big draft picks. We're trying to get the guys who are most hyped up because that's really what draft picks are about. It's about the hype. You really haven't proven anything until you've gone out there and played some games. And so Les knows what he's doing. So I wouldn't doubt anything that he's chosen to do. And I'm excited to see how they turn out this year because they had a good team last year. They kind of came out there and showed out under the lights. And that's what L.A. is about. Antoine, you look at Derek Carr. A lot of people thought that he wasn't going to be paid as a number one quarterback, as an elite quarterback in this league. We hear uh, a rumor that he is going to get an extension worth about $120 million, most of it guaranteed money. Has Las Vegas finally figured out that they have a franchise quarterback now that they landed Devontae Adams, his best friend, and now what we've seen all around over the last two years at the quarterback helm? At the quarterback position, it's really tough. It's really tough, especially nowadays. It's not like when I played or before I played, really, where you have quarterbacks who come in and they're with the franchise for the long haul. Nowadays, it's about what have you done for me lately. But I think he put up good enough numbers to deserve a contract like that. Guys are getting paid right now. And so he's going to have to continue to show and prove year after year after year. I don't know about him staying there for the long haul because, you know, Vegas is about what's hot. And so if they can get something more hot at a certain time, then I don't see why they wouldn't. Nowadays, $100 million isn't what it used to be. Speaking of quarterbacks, one that you played with as a young player just got traded as well. And Matt Ryan, he got traded to the Colts mm-hmm. this offseason, ending an era in Atlanta. So you got to know him when he was a young player. So what is yeah. your best memory of Matt Ryan as a teammate? First, I'd like to say I shed a tear or two when Matt left Atlanta because he was one of the last ones that was around from when I played. And so I feel like... It It literally is the end of an era right now. Matt has always been a stand-up guy. Even years after I stopped playing, I would go to Falcons games. I would get invited to events, and I would end up somewhere on the sideline, and he would connect eyes with me and just be like, Antoine, what's up? And he's so genuine, and he's such a good guy. And you want to see Matt do well. It was tough seeing him struggle in Atlanta for a few years. But it was good when he got to the Super Bowl, no matter how bad that kind of turned out. But uh, <laughs> I think one of my funniest memories was in practice when I would play scout team from time to time. And I kind of had an idea of what they were running in practice. And there would be times where I could be a bit of a pest. And since I would know the route, I would try to go, you know, run and pick it <laughs> off. And Matt would get a little pissed at me from time to time. But he understood what I was trying to do. And it made him work. When he went out there and did well in the game, I felt like it was because of me. <laughs> <laughs> We are talking to former NFL safety and founder of Sneakerhead University, Antoine Harris. Antoine, the safety position has really grown. We've seen when you were playing with some of the great safeties of your era, and now the safeties now, Derwin James, Jamal Adams, the Honey Bachelor, all the different safeties that we've seen, the dominance of this position, and has become a very important position. And now these guys are asking for big money. What are your thoughts to the transition of the DB position from the cornerback position as the elite part of the secondary defense to really now the safety? You know where I stand as far as guys going out there and getting their money. But as far as the position alone, before it was more so about guys being able to hit and disrupt and do things like that. And now these guys are smart. You have safeties that can legit sometimes go out there and play corner. You don't have to have so many DBs on the roster because you have safeties now that can come down and cover. And when you got guys like Derwin James and those big, huge safeties like that, they can play anywhere on the field. They can send them off the edge. They can send them back to the middle of the field. They can put them down in a box. And when you see those big presences out there, it kind of 
as an offensive guy, it makes you think about what you really want to do because these guys are so long, tall, fast. It's pretty incredible to watch them play now. You went undrafted and still made it. What advice would you give for a player that won't get drafted this year? I can be as real as possible. The more you can do, the better. And be very coachable. Don't go into a situation feeling entitled. Don't go into a situation feeling like I should be playing a certain position. I honestly came into the league as an athlete. I didn't start playing DB until my junior year in college when Bobby Petrino came to Louisville. That made me realize that I can't just be stuck on offense. If defense comes up and I want to play and I want to make an impact on the field, I have to be flexible. And as an undrafted guy, special teams, special teams, (laughs) special teams. If you're not a first-round draft pick, you better get your butt on punt cover, punt return, kickoff cover, kickoff return, get on every single special team you can, and work as hard as you can in practice because you're not going to have very many opportunities. Or you may get in a situation where you have so many opportunities you'll be overly tired. But special teams, coach, make him your best friend. Go as hard as you can because you never know what play will be your last. Antoine, when you look at the quarterback position, Tom Brady retires, he comes back. Aaron Rodgers, he was the best quarterback throughout the league last year, and really, because of the snow and everybody throwing him under the bus, he loses an important game where everybody thought the Green Bay Packers were the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Are Mm -hmm. you surprised now when you look at the young quarterbacks in this league, the Joe Burrows of the world, the Herberts of the world, do you see that the new transition of quarterbacks are really taking over from what we've seen in the past? Yeah, 100%. And it's not just a quarterback position. You have kids that are five and six years old training right now. There's going to be kids outside that are training on being a quarterback, doing footwork to be a receiver, doing footwork to be a DB at five, six years old. So I think that nowadays there's pretty much nothing off limits because these guys are getting bigger, faster, smarter, understanding the game more with film study and with social media. You can go on social media, follow a hashtag and figure out what cover two is. You can figure out where to throw it, where your open spots are, where it's not. There's so much more access. So I'm not surprised by these guys like Joe Burrow. The poise he had in college, it didn't surprise me at all how well he played in the NFL. Are you surprised that Tom Brady came back? (laughs) No, I'm surprised that he actually declared that he would retire when he did. I'm surprised because Tom Brady's a competitor. What's he going to compete in after he leaves this game at this level? He'll have other investments and things like that he works on. But where's he going to get this competitive fire from? Where? And so for him to make that decision so early, I kind of knew he was coming back. I'm not surprised at all. We were talking about trying to make a name for yourself as a undrafted player, late round picks. Something that's mm-hmm. helped out recently with that is other football leagues coming in. The USFL now starting, the XFL, other leagues the last three years. So what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that kind of thing coming into fruition and try to grow the game? I think it's a good thing. I think it gives guys a chance to play. And again, back to social media, I think it gives guys a chance to get exposure because nowadays, if you make some kind of highlight, whether it's the smallest league or the biggest league, you'll be like on one of those highlight reels on social media, on like the Explorer page or whatever. And next thing you know, you got 200,000 views and now you're not a household name, but you're trending. And that's kind of what it's about nowadays. So let's talk about your sneakers. What sneaker right now that you have that you're selling that really stands out from all the rest? Usually the ones that probably stand out the most, I probably won't sell. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep it for yourself. I'm, I'm kind of selfish in that aspect. Actually, the sneakers I have behind me are all just ones that I wear. Mm. But one of my most prized sneakers, it's the... 1985 Jordan 1 that I acquired some years ago and I just held on to it. I don't know exactly what happened to kind of tip this other than when Michael Jordan had that The Last Dance documentary. Those Jordan 1 prices skyrocketed and I'm fortunate enough to have three different pair and the, the prices are crazy on them. 
And the funny thing is I wear them, and most people probably wouldn't wear them. Sneakers are made to be worn. Oh, absolutely. They'll also be collectors, yeah. I'm a collector, but, uh, too, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yes. A collector, huh? I am a sneaker okay. collector, too. So, And he's given six like pairs that. to me since the last time you were on the show. Yes. Oh, yeah? Yes. He has no room in his closet left, so he's giving some of them to me. <laughs> Listen, I understand. These are out here. You don't even want to see my closet. It's, it's pretty bad. I'm in trouble daily for my wife. Uh-oh. <laughs> I had to get a storage unit. Hold on one second. So your wife is allowed to collect shoes and high heels and boots and she probably has a whole closet full of them but because she you have a whole closet full of sneakers yeah. i believe it yeah and i bet you you paid yeah. for all of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah happy wife happy life i understand i'm not married i have a girlfriend right. but i'm not married okay you're okay for now yeah i am okay for now because uh, <laughs> i'm sure you have a lot of sneakers i could see it right behind you and you have a whole room full of them i have a closet yeah. full of them you can't even walk in the closet i'm a clothes collector belt collector hat collector i need you're a t-shirt that. guy? Oh, absolutely, man. I have to put you in contact with my guy that I grew up with. He actually does all the t-shirts for uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and oh, stuff absolutely. like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so I'll put you in contact with him. He's got a nice vintage collection, and that'd be pretty cool. We might have to bring you out here to show off mm -hmm. some of your sneaker collection. I think that would be great. I think the fans would like for to sure. meet you out here. We have a lot of big football fans out here, here in Long Island, and they have all these different events over here at the malls, especially in the summertime. They have these different places. Sneaker conventions and yeah, stuff conventions. like that? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. And also at the Nassau Coliseum, they have the sneaker convention. So I should find out when that next convention is and we'll have you out here. I, I think it's awesome. We've interviewed so many ex-NFL players. And the last time we had you on, you were so funny. Your passion for sneakers and your passion for the game of football is just awesome. And I had a conversation with Eric. Eric and me are always in contact. And I said, we talked to your buddy, Antoine Harris. And he's like, did he tell you any of those crazy stories? And I said, he told us one or two. He's like, there's a lot of stories that he hasn't told that we will not tell anybody exactly. about. The right Grimes exactly. one was still my favorite. <laughs> oh, yes. There's plenty more. I'm sure. And he's doing great over here. He does a betting show on MSG. It's fantastic what he's doing. He's really growing as an analyst, and he deserves all the accolades because he's worked really, really hard as an ex-NFL player, now as a radio slash broadcaster slash TV, yeah. TV presentator. Yeah. Guys, he's awesome. Yeah, he really he's, is. He's a good dude, man. He always worked his butt off in football, and honestly, when he came to Atlanta, I learned a lot from him. And I knew how to be a pro, but I kind of came in at the time where there were a lot of older guys that were so much pro that they didn't really care that much. Like mm -hmm. they cared about football, but they were in like a routine and it was like, we're just going to work every day. EC came in and he was a football player. Like he came in, he wanted to study. He wanted to know what the other teams were doing. He wanted to coach all the younger guys up where a lot of times you get older guys come in and they don't really want to help out the young guys. EC was a true leader on the field and he's a leader off the field too. He's a really good dude. Well, we really appreciate you joining us and I want definitely a list of sneakers that you're selling <laughs> because I might be interested. I'm not going to Tell me your you. size again. I wear 11s. Oh, yeah. You're my size. Yeah, right. man. Come oh, yeah. You're good to go. You know, that makes it easy. You got any of these back here. There you I go, man. You. Sharing is caring, bud. I've got Sharing some. Sharing is caring. <laughs> You've got a whole tall stack of it. It's like the seat in the Big Lebowski with all those bowling shoes in his dream. <laughs> right. right. I can Big bowl, Lebowski. too. Big oh, <laughs> Nice. I can't bowl. I'm the worst no, no. bowler you'll ever see. And it's funny. I'm terrible. I'm a good athlete, but for bowling, for some reason, even if I put the bumpers out, I'm terrible. The last time I was at a bowling alley, I was on a date, and this was years and years ago. I think it was with Brittany, and... And I was bowling, 
And you I hope it was. Uh, it was <laughs> embarrassing. And this kid looked like she was seven or eight years old. She was bowling strikes. So I wanted to show off. So I thought throwing the ball, following the lines and throwing the ball down the line as hard as I can, I'd be able to knock all the pins down. I tried to do that, and I lost control. The, the ball, I, I took a smaller ball, and it, my pinky got caught into the ball. Oh. And oh. it bounced on two different lanes. It was the most oh, embarrassing man. things I've ever done. And as a non-bowler, that's why I don't go to bowling alleys anymore. It's embarrassing. <laughs> we I can work on that, though. We can, we can, can we? get that together. Can we? I, yeah, I don't know. We can, we can get that together. Well, I'm sure you have backspin or whatever the hell they call it. And all oh, that yeah. Stuff. But my I brother could do that, too. Yeah. I just use these two. <laughs> yeah, my brother does that, too. He, like, he twists it like this. It just yeah. rotates. It, oh, it curves like it's like a slur. Exactly. <laughs> so you know it. You just got to do it. I can't do it either. My brother does it well. Then my other you. younger brother is trying to learn it now. <laughs> tell you what. I won't use a ball. I'll throw Speedy down the lane. I'd probably be better <laughs> off. <laughs> At least I'd probably get closer to the pins. <laughs> bumpers or no bumpers. <laughs> if you know this, Antoine, what is your high score? I don't remember what my high is, but we, I'll tell you like this. We play nine or better. Nine or better. You have to knock nine or better pins down, or you have You're to good. pay $20. That just tells yeah. you he's really good. This so. is me, Roddy White, Michael Jenkins, Harry Douglas. Oh, we got good stories about those games. Uh, I'm sure. That's like a whole other interview right there. <laughs> we, got <good> stories. <laughs> we got good stories about that. I heard Harry Douglas is a character. He is one in a million. Mm, I'm That's sure I'm he saying. is. I've heard that Eric was telling me he's one of the craziest, funniest people he's ever met. We went to college together, so I know him before <laughs> he was like out here, and then he's still still the same. That's why I love him. His team path was the reverse. He started with the Falcons, then went to the Titans, and then he went the other way yeah, around. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we went to college together, so mm-hmm. like we've just been around each other all our lives. Well, Antoine, why don't you tell the fans how they can search you, how they can find your sneaker collection, Sneakerhead University. Right now, I've shut my website down because I've actually done more on Instagram, so you can find me at Sneakerhead University. It's really the Shoe University. T-H-E-S-H-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y. The Shoe University. You can find me there on Twitter. You can find me there on Instagram. And yeah, just send me a DM. If you watch this, send me a DM. I'll give you $40 off any shoe that you decide to get. Look at him. Actually, He's... $41. I'm sorry. $41. <laughs> that's my number. Errol's closet might expand off. into this room at this rate. Damn right. You better have a nice catalog because I might be shopping yeah, tomorrow. I got you. $41 off. Y'all get half off. Well, now you're really going to make me spend money, aren't you? Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's about to start the hats, too. You're damn right. Oh, yeah. I've got some hats. I'm okay. a hat collector. Yeah, we'll talk. Absolutely. We'll talk. We really appreciate you joining us again, my friend. And we'll be in no touch. Doubt. Thank you for having me. And we'd love to get you on again. For sure. All right. We'll be in contact for Absolutely. sure about those shoes Absolutely. and shirts. And those shirts. Absolutely. Thank you, Antoine. No problem. Thank you, guys. Have a good one, man. Antoine Harris, former NFL safety, founder of Sneakerhead University. Awesome guy. Special. Oh, yeah. Funny as hell. And Eric Coleman tells me, a lot of funny stories about those Atlanta Falcon teams. Oh, yeah. Harry Douglas, Antoine Harris, Hutchins. He says those guys are characters, but he's a character too. Him and his flexing. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> he's always flexing. I always tell him, I'm like, every picture, man, do you not have to show your buffy muscles? I mean, seriously. He can't help it. Well, he'll tell you he doesn't mean to do it, but that's a lie. Every he's time always he's looking, looking always for something over there, over a there. Hulk Hogan over there. <laughs> <laughs> the immortal Eric Colvin. <laughs> Right. <laughs>
<laughs> Antoine Harris, ladies and right, gentlemen. Guys. Have a good one. You too, Have a good one. Antoine Harris, ladies and gentlemen. The sneaker man himself, the shirt man. Me and him, I think, would get along very, very well when it comes to the sneaker oh, yeah. collecting. I have my own sneakers, shirts, and hats. You just need well. the storage units he has. Oh, God. Could you imagine that? Having all those storage <laughs> units he says he has? It's, it's ridiculous. He is a real sneakerhead. Told us some really great stories about Eric Coleman. Old friend, Eric Coleman. Who hasn't been on the show in a while? We have to get him on again. That's the person that I got <laughs> to Eric Coleman reunion show. I would love to get Eric on this show again. It would be very, very funny. I know we were supposed to go out to dinner in March. He's been so busy. I give him so much credit. He, he deserves all the accolades. Hopefully, very near future, we could do the same and move forward in our careers like he has and blossom the way he has. So, shout out to Eric Coleman. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, some money line mania with Chaz and our crew here on the Weekend Crunch. I like this, Speedy. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember to listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9 The LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android World Wide Sports Radio Network. No World Wide West tonight, but... We have a new guest, as this show is brought to you by Sports Betting Weekly. Definitely tune in and listen to Sports Betting Weekly every week on Thursdays on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So check them out. They're fantastic. And we call this segment Moneyline Mania. This is Moneyline Mania with Chaz and the crew. All right, Chazzy boy over there in San Diego. Happy to have you on. We have Hector and a new guy, John, a.k.a. GMF John, which we've heard a lot about. This guy is world-renowned when it comes to his handicap picks. Chaz, what's going on, bud? John is really in a tough spot because, like Petey said, for like 11 weeks, Wes has been talking him up like he's the new coming, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the Messiah. All you do, John, is your best. Hector, remember that opening week of the, the season where you skunked? And it came back and you gave us a plus 485. There's not too many guys they're going to give you plus 485 on a team that just has to win the game. These guys do that stuff, so let's get some winners from them. I've heard a lot about you, Mr. John. You're a guy that has been world-renowned on our show. And we had another John on the show, and I was like, is this the John that everybody keeps talking? And then Chaz would call me up after the show, and he would tell me, that's not the John, but that John's a good handicapper. But GMF John has not been on the show yet. I said, all right. We explained how we call him. Like, we have Jonathan. He's from Vegas Insider. Because he met us on the radio, we call him Jonathan from Santo. And and then we have Johnny D, who was one of our original hosts on the show. And we call him Johnny D from Vegas. And Serena John lives in Vegas. So we call him John from GMF Sports. As long as they're winning, we don't really care what you call them. Are we ready, Speedy? Yep. We'll start with John. A couple NBA plays. Pelicans and Suns. You had a, a play you liked, John. Yeah, the Pelicans and the Suns. I was probably going to most likely eye the over in that game. We're noticing a little bit of a trend with these playoff games. that they have been tilting towards the under. Been some very close games. I think we're going to probably... We start seeing some overs here. It has to come through. I think that probably would be one of my top games for it. The Pelicans can put up points and so can the Suns. The Suns are a dangerous team. They're probably my favorite out of the Western Conference, I think. Chris Paul with all those guys, they got tons of playmakers. Their bench is deep. Just very well experienced, and I expect to see some points in that game. Pelicans on their side, obviously they have the offense too with the guys that they have. The addition of CJ McCollum 
So if I was going to lean in any direction, I would lean towards the over in that game. I'm really surprised that the Pelicans even made the playoffs. They didn't have Zion Williamson all year. And adding C.J. McCollum, that was a great move by them because C.J. McCollum has taken over and really taken that team in the second half to that next level. And I'm very surprised that they're sitting there. It sucks being matched up against the Suns. The Suns are the best team in the NBA. I believe the best point guard in the NBA. I think they have the best coach in the NBA right now. I think this team has the most depth in the NBA. I think this team is just going to completely shut down the Pelicans, especially as well as Phoenix has played defensively. Everybody forgets that Phoenix is one of the top three defensive teams in the NBA, team defense. So I expect this series to be quick. I do believe that this will be a high-scoring game and a high-scoring series because the Pelicans like to shoot the ball. They like to shoot a lot of threes. And C.J. McCollum, we all know what he has done since he's come here from Portland. He has been a shooting technician. There's a checklist, and the Suns check off everything on that book. The players, the coaches, Chris Paul, the experience, the bench. I would be surprised if the Pelicans won one game. No disrespect (laughs) to them, but the Suns are just on a totally different level. The addition of C.J. McCollum obviously makes them a little bit more competitive. The Suns just leaps above everybody. The Pelicans, I guarantee you, by the end of the season, will be trading Zion Williamson. There is stories coming out over there that Zion wants out no matter what. Coming back or not coming back, he wants to be traded. I just don't know what you're going to get for him since he hasn't been on the court for two years. Your next play was in the Nets-Celtics game one. Nets-Celtics game one. This is going to be obviously a great series. We have the old kind of Brooklyn Nets playing the Boston Celtics. Celtics arguably one of the hottest teams down the stretch there, finishing off the regular season very well. And they're playing in Boston, which we all know is a tough place to play. I'm pretty sure Kyrie Irving can attest to that. So I think he's going to have a hard time. Brooklyn's in a tough situation because obviously they draw that bottom seat. So now they're in kind of a disadvantage where they're playing on the road pretty much for the series. And once again, playing in Boston, we're going to need Durant and Kyrie to have phenomenal games every game of this series. And the way the Boston's playing with their defense, Tatum has been unbelievable continuing that stretch with how the the Celtics played. I I like the Celtics in game one up in Boston. I think that crowd is obviously going to be jumping all over Kyrie. It's going to be a tough place to play. Good matchup, but I like Boston in game one there. I like the Brooklyn Nets. If there's a game that Kyrie wants to show up to and really shut down those Boston Celtic fans, we saw what happened last year with Boston. One of the fans threw something at him. He obviously had to go through that whole process. I think that this would be the perfect game for the Nets to go into game one and knock off the Boston Celtics and really staple their name and their team into game one. If Brooklyn has any chance... In this series, they're going to have to beat Boston in game one. I think they're the better team, I think, all around. With the two stars that they have in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, they have the better of the two stars. But it's all about the bench and what these other players do. Marcus Smart, he's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. This team has played great team, stout defense. I know a lot of people are looking at that, but Boston has not played well in the playoffs really for the last couple of years. They have a new coach who's never been there before. The Nets have a coach last year that was there. I still think the Brooklyn Nets, I believe, have the more experience and the better overall players. I think Brooklyn's going to go into Boston and knock them off. I agree with you that Brooklyn definitely needs to come out game one and kind of come out running and gunning and almost punch them in the mouth. If Brooklyn is going to win this series, this would be the spot where they have to. It's just Boston has played so well down the stretch. Obviously, KD and Kyrie Irving are one of the top players in the league. It's going to be interesting to see how they react. Those guys 
guys need to put up 25-plus points a game, and we're going to see how they do against that Boston defense. John, your final play was the Bulls and the Bucks. I kind of feel like the Milwaukee Bucks got a little disrespected. They're the, the reigning champs, and with all the talk of Phoenix, the drama in Philadelphia, Miami actually finished as the top seed in the Eastern Conference. The Bucks feel a little disrespected. They dominated the Bulls during the regular season matchups. Giannis has just been on another level here down the stretch. As far as a betting standpoint, the double digits, the 10 always scares me. Laying double digits in NBA is always tricky. So this is a situation where maybe first half, if I can look for an in-game opportunity, maybe get it around five or six. My early money, I'm probably going to lay off on that, but I will be looking for some in-game chances with Milwaukee at home. The Bulls just kind of seem to falter down the stretch. DeRozan had a great first half of the year. He was in the MVP talks and they kind of fell off a little bit and they struggled against Milwaukee during the regular season. We also know how DeRozan is in the playoffs. He's not any good. He has never been good with Toronto. He was Uh never good with San Antonio, and I don't expect him to be as good with the Bulls. The Greek freak, he was the most valuable player throughout the season. I know it was Mm -hmm. Joel Embiid everybody was talking about, but Joel Embiid kind of fell off, obviously because of James Harden. He demands the ball more. I don't think Joel Embiid's going to win the MVP. I think it's going to be the Greek freak. Fantastic all season long. He's gotten better and better, and that team has played better at home, too, in the second half of the season. So I don't think the Bulls are going to challenge them at all in this series. Towards the end of the regular season, the Milwaukee Bucks was putting up 120. They had a couple games where they put up 130 points. I just don't think the Bulls are going to be able to match up with that. I mean, Giannis, there's probably nobody in the league that can guard Giannis when he's on his game. It's going to be a tough series for them, and and I think Milwaukee kind of runs away with that, too. Chaz, you mentioned you had uh, two NBA plays. First of all, let's talk a a little about what John had mentioned. So say you're a sports better, but you're really not from the NBA because you're doing other things, and then Playoff comes kind of like March Madness, right? He kicks it up a notch. The higher quality teams are in. But this first round versus that last play and you're in and losing, you go home. Very unusual in sports. It's got to be the very beginning of the playoffs. That's the only time you're going to see it. Otherwise, it's really serious. And this first round, really, guys, is where you got the discrepancies. You got the Bucks. They're better than 10 points than most teams are going to play. You look at their records, Suns are on top and who they're playing underneath. You know, they've got 15, 20 game better average in terms of regular season. I don't think you can be afraid to hop on the points, but go early. I've got this wager that I call bet it all. And that's really what I'm looking to do. So I'm going to hop on a team early. If I like a team like the Bucks or the Suns, given double digits, I'm going to hop on them early. I'm going to hit them in the first quarter. I'm going to hit them for the first half. And then I'm going to sit around because the second half, you might come back and bet against them. And then, like John said, that 10 and a half is a lot. They're up by 15. The game's over. If you've ever watched an NBA basketball game, that last 90 seconds is incredible. The stuff Mm -hmm. that happens, fouls, three-pointers, and the next thing you know, they win by nine and a half. But because you had that five and you had the first quarter and maybe even had the other team, and so you're at the bar that night, and you say, hey, I did good today. And the guy next to you goes, those sons of bitches, you see how they got backdoored? And then you laugh because, yeah, you went 3-1 and one and the Bucks lost. And that's the beauty of what we do. It really is. The one thing that John mentioned was that he really liked the over. Here's my concern on this game. My concern is that the Suns have had seven of their last eight games go under. They played seven of their last ten games on the road. They are going to be at home, and they could end up having a very, very big lead. And if they have a very big lead, the game slows down, 
and that over is going to be difficult. So though I like Phoenix team total over, I'm going the other way, and I'm going also to the Pelicans team total under. And this way, what I'm hoping is, you know, 25-point lead, all the Pelicans are doing is trying to get back to the hotel. Atlanta, Miami. I see that uh, Atlanta is on the road at Miami. They've scored. In their last five games, on the road, Atlanta scored 107. Now, if you watch any of the playing games, this Trey Young kid is really taking the world right on his shoulders and just carrying this team. That's the other aspect. When you have a team that's really, really good and a team that's really, really not as good, but they made the playoffs, Miami clinched. They were sitting around that last game where Atlanta's been playing now. So that's the little concern I have is that Atlanta just starts the game just like they finished the last game and it takes Miami a little bit. So this game, I'm going to be looking for a dip. I'm going with my team total over everything. Let's go to your plays now, Hector. You have three soccer plays for this week. Your usual San Diego loyal, your team uh, against Louisville City. First, people can go with the parlay on these three or they take them individually. Uh, San Diego loyal is going to be playing at home at 7 o'clock tonight, Pacific time. Even though their last game finished like heartbreaking fashion, they were up by a goal and on the last play of the game, they gave up a stupid header. So they had to deal with the draw. They're still in first place, technically, of the Western Conference. But they got the added news that they're going to be playing LA Galaxy with Chicharito Hernandez in the U.S. Open Cup So in the third round. So that'll be something that they're hopefully not looking too forward on their mindset. They're going to be focused on tonight's game. And I think there will be that hard acre of a goal that they gave up in the last minute to Oakland that cost them two points. Still in the back of Landon Donovan's head. And obviously having to play his former team, LA Galaxy, in the U.S. Open Cup where he won four championships in the MLS. And I think they pull it off. I think Louisville City... Being, even though they're one of the best teams in the league and the leader in the Eastern Conference, having to travel to the West Coast. And that's always going to be a heartache for any team in terms of whether it's soccer, basketball, baseball, whatever. I think San Diego Low comes through and they pull off a 2-1 to win on that one at home in front of the fans at Torero Stadium. So, Chaz, to put it in perspective, you were mentioning how Hector had a rough, the first three games, it was right at the beginning of the season. He has 7-1-1 one one in his place since. Yeah, Chaz. No, and, and, and I had your back. I've been hanging out with you now since we were at the bar together. Remember, when John says, I like this team, they have to win the game if it's a money line or they have to cover the spread. You could have a tie. But when Hector's coming with his plays, guys, there ain't no ties. Even when you're betting the favorite, like in that game, plus 141, that's the Loyals line. You could have a soccer favorite that's plus 141 because that third bet is a winner if you pull tie and, and you got a big favorite, minus 365, and somehow they play down and they get a, a draw, and you lose. Part, I guess, the beauty about soccer, dude, that's why it's the most popular sport in the world, even though people don't like to hear that. My <laughs> second game I'm going to go with, Phoenix Rising, the rivals of San Diego Loyal against New Mexico. On social media, these two teams hate each other. If you ever follow, like, domestic soccer on Twitter, fan bases there, I don't know what the history is between those two people, but every other second, somebody's posting, like, a gif or something attacking each other. It's gone beyond rivalry. Now it's like a hatred. Phoenix Rising is going to be playing at home. Obviously, they're one of the best teams historically in the league. And New Mexico United is having a decent season so far. But I think anytime you play Phoenix plays at home in front of their stadiums, the Bandito crowd. I don't know how Loyal pulled off last game when they were talking about they were plus 460-something. I believed in them and they pulled through. But I don't think New Mexico is going to be able to because of that rivalry factor and, and Phoenix playing at home. And I think it's not even going to be close on this one. I think they pulled this one out 3-1. to one. OC versus Sacramento Republic. Yeah, that's a trippy one. I was iffy on this one. Orange County is the defending champion. They're also in the U.S. Open Cup still. In the third round, they qualified. So 
a lot of these team coaches have to manage their teams, their players in terms of playing time and who's going to be starting or not because they definitely want to get the U.S. Open Cup Championship. It's 300 grand for the winner and they get an invite to the CONCACAF Champions League for next season. But they also want to play win their USO Championship so they got to manage themselves correctly. I think Orange County is going to wipe off blinders from the, the drama and the hangover from the championship last year that they won. They're going to be playing at home again in front of their home stadium which also gets kind of rowdy. Sacramento Republic, although they've had a decent season so far as well, kind of like New Mexico, going into Orange County, the champs, needing a win at home, getting those three points and putting back themselves into contention for the playoffs this season. I think Orange County pulls it off in a close one and a low-scoring one, one to zero. Chaz, you mentioned World Wide West, even not on the show this week, sent you an NHL play. The odds on that parlay, the three-teamer, are like six to one, which when you're dealing with money lines, John, how yeah. big favor do you got to do to get a money line six to one for three teams, right? Sometimes it's even money. Yeah, sometimes it's even money. So when you're playing money line, you know, six to one odds on a three-teamer, that's actually pretty good. More traditional odds. It's like you cover the point spread is a six to one. That's the other aspect of Hector. When he's seven and one and one, you got to hop on some of those parlays. Maybe not all three of them, but, but the bottom line is in soccer, parlays are really, really cool because they just got to win the game. Yeah, Blackhawk West sent in a play. Florida's at Detroit Sunday. He sent me, by the way, Errol, a picture of his kitchen at the amusement park. There had to be 150 pounds of brisket. <laughs> it was enough brisket that I think my blood pressure went up just from looking at the picture. He looks really happy in his Facebook. Yeah. He's got a great situation yes. there. He's been there five years. He's running the kitchen. And he's got this great team of young kids, and they do competitions, and he's their mentor. The Worldwide Sports Radio Network is blessed to have Sports Betting Weekly. And Sports Betting Weekly is the blessed to have the crew. Because these guys, Daryl, are not only good handicappers, they're just good human beings. Likewise, so, Jess. Thank you. Detroit is going to score, he said, it's minus 110. Remember in the days where, John, we used to see minus 110 all the time? <laughs> Holy cow, nowadays, you don't see minus 110 ever. You go from minus 10 to minus 115, you got to win two more games out of 100 to break even. But he likes him to score a goal in the first period against Florida, and he said it's minus 110, take it to the bank. It's interesting, with all you guys, we had Hector on, now we've had John GMF on, we've had the other John on, we've had Worldwide West on, and all you guys have a distinct strength in what you guys do. And John, they say you're a baseball guy, that's what you're good at. Take it to the bank on some of the things, and it's hard to bet on baseball. And they say you're an unbelievable handicapper when it comes to baseball. Yeah, baseball is kind of my go-to. I feel in the realm of betting that that would be my strong suit. Baseball's a long season. We got six months of day-to-day action. Speaking about what Chas said earlier, one of the biggest things as far as betting is really watching that money line situation because you can be laying a lot of juice. And long-term, if you want to be successful betting normally, that's that's not a good idea. So as you move forward, it's, it's all about value. But baseball is definitely a grind long season but i love it i don't mind sitting there watching a four-hour game nowadays which a lot of the younger folks don't really tend to get into baseball too much but i love it Errol, yes you're going to be covering that new spring football at all on your shows we should be recently we talked about it with a, a couple sports when the season begins that you have to tiptoe in and when it's a brand new league of course we did it last year because Canadian football was coming off of a whole year off. So really, that is like a, a brand new league. But once you start paying attention to a league or any team or any sport, 
Here's the downside of sports betting. You'll start noticing what teams are doing or pitchers are doing. You start paying attention, and then once you start paying attention, you got to keep going because there is nothing worse than if you were betting a team total over on a team, and then you got to go to the park with your puppy, and you don't get to play, and that team total is going to go over in the first two innings because a missed sports betting opportunity, for some reason, have the highest winning percentage of anything else in life. It's brutal. Did you see the new XFL coaches? Yeah, that was tight. Wade Phillips, Jim Haslett, Terrell Buckley, Heinz Ward, Rod Woodson, Reggie Barlow, and Anthony Beck, who I know Anthony very well. I'm very surprised he's coaching in the XFL. Former Jet player, right? That's right. Yeah, I can't wait to see Heinz Ward versus Rod Woodson, the Steeler Nation, and going at it. Rod's actually working in the marijuana organization, so he has a marijuana distributing company. He's actually got his hands dipped into that, too. Well, we really appreciate you guys joining us, as always. John, it's very nice to meet you. Hector, you're spot on, but you guys are awesome. Keep doing what you guys are doing, because we really appreciate it. No, thank it's you, guys. guys. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Moneyline Mania, John, GMF, Chazzy Chaz, and then Hector, Hector Camacho, Okay, over there. (laughs) Close enough. When we come back, we'll have some baseball. We'll talk about some Yankees. We'll talk about some Mets. The Yankees need to figure out what they're doing with uh, Aaron Judge because it looks like Luis Savarino is going to be expecting a contract at the end of the season the way he's pitching. The Yankees are going to have a lot of decisions to make. And as far as the Mets are concerned, they're playing great baseball. Six and two. Francisco Lindor hitting the ball finally. And they're pitching. Bassett has been fantastic. I've watched him enough so far this year. I think he's the best pitcher on the Mets. When we come back, I'll tell you why I think he's the best pitcher on the New York Mets here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Petey Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9. The LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Let's get into some baseball. And we were talking about the whole Aaron Judge saga last week. And it is a saga where I think Aaron Judge is going to be on his way out. I can't see the Yankees giving him a $250 million contract in the offseason. I think he wants to weigh his options. I think he wants to see what's out in the open. As a Yankee fan, you should be worried because Luis Severino has been fantastic his first two starts. And what does that tell you about Luis Severino? He's back. Two, he's healthy. And three, he's going to want a lot of money at the end of the season. We have seen pitchers make a ton of money. And if Luis Severino keeps pitching the way he is, he's going to be up probably for a Cy Young. He's got one win. He has a 2.25 ERA, one earned run. Luis Savarino is a known commodity to this team. The Yankees gave him that great affordable extension. They thought his shoulder was going to be healthy after that, and then his UCL teared, and then he was out for another full season. But this is his last year on his contract, which means he's going to want a lot of money. And the Yankees are going to have to decide who they're going to sign. I don't see them signing both players because Aaron Judge is going to command at least 200 and some million dollars. I'm going to say about 250. Luis, if the Yankees get him on a good deal and he wants to stay with the Yankees, which probably he does, you're seeing at least a five, six-year deal. Luis is going to want between 20 and $25 million a year, which would make him mediocre when it comes to the starting pitching in the league. Zach Wheeler type of money. Zach Wheeler is one of the best pitchers in the National League. He's been that for the last past two years. Luis Savarino has a lot to prove. He's still not going to make that $30 million because he's not healthy. 
Nobody's going to trust that he's going to stay healthy. So let's say the Yankees offer him five years, $125 million. That's a lot of money. And then giving Aaron Judge $250, you are talking about an offseason where you're paying almost $350 million to two players. The Yankees don't like to spend money. They haven't spent a lot of money in a while. They don't give large extensions, as we've seen over the last couple of years. This is a different Yankee team now. Now, the Yankees are still amongst the league's top five salaries and all that. Yeah, they're still stuff. third in overall payroll. They're signing their own players. They're not going after free agents that really stand out. They're not overpaying. The only person they overpaid was Garrett Cole. But they needed a starting pitcher because Savarino was hurt. They needed to figure something out at that position. Garrett Cole right now has not been a great pitcher for the Yankees this year. I mean, it's been two games. I'm, I'm not worried about Garrett Cole. But killed by, yes, Vladimir Guerrero. Killed in the first three innings by the Boston Red Sox, which I'm not surprised. We remember the wild card game. He hasn't pitched well against good lineups. Hopefully, when he starts to play the worse lineups, and he's going to be playing the Orioles this weekend, so I expect him to figure things out. This team needs to figure out who they are and what this identity is as this team. Because Luis Severino is a story. It's going to be a good story for the Yankees if he continues doing what he's doing. Aaron Judge is starting to hit. But this team has not hit in scoring position. 181 batting average. It is horrible. I think that will change. Last year in the second half, they figured things out. They started stealing bases. They added some speed to this team. This team is very good defensively sounding. And you have to have good defense in the playoffs. But offensively, you would think that this team was just a powerhouse. And they're just not. Right now, this team is batting altogether, I think, 205. That is alarming when you're looking at, I know it's only eight games. They're still in second place right now. They're playing the Orioles right now, which they lost, by the way, yesterday against <laughs> horribly. This bullpen's been great. They're one of the top three bullpens in baseball. And that's what you want to hear because that's been their strength forever. Since Mariano Rivera, this has been either the best bullpen or top three bullpen every single year. They finally got it right. You got to give a lot of credit to Brian Cashman in the offseason. They didn't really overpay for pitchers. They made a lot of trades. And the trades worked. And it, so far, if this bullpen can stay fresh throughout the season, which has always been a problem with Aaron Boone, and that's why Tyler Harrison wants to jump off a plank. <laughs> Tyler Harrison did not like Aaron Boone for the moment he got hired. <laughs> yes, which I still don't understand. Again, Yankee fans just don't like anything when they don't win a championship. John Carlos Stanton's played well, too. Rizzo's yeah. been fantastic. Yeah. And right now, Rizzo's amongst the best first basemen in the league. He's an unbelievable defensive player. What makes Rizzo special is when he hits like this, He's unstoppable. Right. He already has three home runs. He has three home runs, seven RBIs. The batting average is a little low, 214, but his on-base percentage is 389, so that, so that makes up for it. I expect him to hit about 250, 260. That's where he usually hits. He's not a 300 hitter. He's a power hitter. If Rizzo continues do, doing what he is doing, I, I don't think Yankee fans should be upset that they didn't get Freeman in the offseason, which, by the way, Freeman has one home run. He's not hitting the ball either. The Yankees have done well in the offseason. It's not really – it's Aaron Judge – Glaber Torres, who I, I still think will figure things out. Gallo's at a rough start. Gallo's at, well, Gal, we expect Gallo to. Until this shift completely gets torn out, Gallo is going to be the same Gallo we remember. Okay, He's going to hit 210. He'll give you 30 home runs. He'll get hot sometime in one month where he's going to hit like 10, 13 home runs, and everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, he should be starting over Aaron Judge. And then all of a sudden, he'll fall apart. The Yankees right now. I would say they're where they want to be. AL East is the best in baseball. 
there's not even an argument. If you look at how so crunched these teams are together, Toronto, the Yankees, Tampa, and Boston, all four teams can make the playoffs. All four teams can win a championship this year. It, they're sensational teams, all of them. And they're built very well, all of them. So being that you're in the hardest division in baseball, you're going to be contending. So I look at the Yankees right now. they got to figure something out with Aaron Judge. Before season's end, knock something out of the ballpark for Aaron Judge where he can't refuse. Tell him we'll give you an extra $10, 15000000 million. We'll give you incentives. You'll be making $42 million a year. We'll make you happy. Because if he goes to free agency, Yankee fans are not going to be very happy because I don't no. think he'll be there. And then there's the Mets. Mets fans should be happy right now. <laughs> Last week, the Mets fans were about to jump off a plank. They weren't happy about where this team was and where this team is. But you should be happy about Francisco Lindor, who had a terrible season last year. But right now, is back to normal form. He's had 27 at-bats, 8 hits, 3 home runs, 7 RBIs, and he's batting two ninety six. That is what a $326 million player should be doing. Amongst the league's best when it comes to defense, offense, home runs, he has more home runs than any shortstop in baseball. So they're hitting very well. Lindor's hitting the 296. Pete Alonso's hitting 258. Brandon Nimmo's hitting 333. Starling Marte's hitting 290. Jeff McNeil is hitting 333. Mark Kanha, 381. Eduardo Escobar is hitting 250, but also has been very important when it comes to defense and what he has done, and he is hitting. He's at six hits. Uh, this year, eight walks on base percentage, four thirty-eight. Yes, that's why they're six and two. That's why they're the best in the division. They got to keep it up because they right now the Braves are not running on all cylinders. No, they're not pitching well right no. now. And and when they start to pitch well, and when they start to run on all cylinders, we expect them to be dangerous. But they're four and five right now. The Mets are the best team in baseball. Yeah, the Mets have only had only one bad game offensively so far. That was the last game of the series against the Nationals, where they only scored three runs. The Mets bullpen is a little questionable right now with certain guys not bouncing back the way we were thinking they were going to. Seth Lugo's had a, a, t- a couple rough starts. Trevor May now just got hurt, and he was pitching hurt for a lot of it. But the starting rotation has more than compensated for that. We've gotten good starts from Tyler McGill. And Chris Bassett has come over, pitched very well. Carlos Carrasco, not a long outing for him in his first start, but still pitched efficiently as a result. And they're going to need that kind of thing with DeGrom being hurt right now. And Scherzer is still not really completely back to his normal form yet. So that's been a good sign for the Mets so far. And the hitting, definitely well-rounded and deep. And they're doing so many different things, too. And a lot of different lineup combinations. Shout-out to Brock Showalter, the way he's managed with these guys so far as and we well. we expected this, by the yes. way, with, with Balk. Because right. and I, I, I'm sorry to cut in. Buck Showalter doesn't get enough credit for what he does with young players. Go look what he did with Texas. Go look what he did with Arizona. Go look what he did with the Orioles. Go do. Go look what they did. He did with the Yankees. The young Yankees right. building Bernie Williams and even Derek Jeter before he came up. You know his his final year. Remember, Buck was there when Derek Jeter made his first appearance, and and you listen to what Derek Jeter said about Buck. That one year, that half a year that he was there, Buck taught him a lot of stuff. Before, you know, Buck obviously was fired by the boss and brought in Joe Torre. So Buck is a very important piece to this team and the success of this team. If the Mets have any chance of winning a championship, it's this year. They need to win this year. Buck is getting old, and he never – he doesn't look good after his first or second year. The teams – he's like the Tom Thibodeau of baseball. 
Okay, hmm. the team the team looks good the first one or two years, and then they fall apart. He, he just wears out his welcome uh, over there with the organization. So, I, I, I think this is an important year for the Mets. The Mets have to play well throughout the season, get this team into the playoffs in a very good position where they can uh, be lined up against a, a, a bad team in the first round where they they could be positioned where they could win a World Series. Yeah, if they win the division, they'll also get a bye, too, mm-hmm. if they're the one of the top two, which will help. Listen, if, if they can get Jacob DeGrom back, you know, earlier, more sooner than later, and he stays healthy, this team's going to be very hard to beat. Mm-hmm. I mean... You, you you have two unbelievable pitchers in Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. When it gets warm out, you're going to see how good Max Scherzer is. He's just unbelievable. And, and Bassett has been fantastic. I mean, I, right now, the best pitcher on the Mets is Bassett. He, he's, I've been very surprised. I never really got a chance to watch Bassett play until really his first two starts with the Mets. He's a fantastic pitcher. He, when he's on, he's unhittable. And he has been fantastic. I mean, how many runs has he given up? He's like, given up one earned run this year, .75 ERA, .67 whip, 14 strikeouts, and only three walks. It's ridiculous. He, he's been ridiculous. He's been the best pitcher for the Mets. He's, right now, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. I mean, I, I mean the Mets might have you know, struck gold making that trade uh, with the A's because I, right now, he has been the best pitcher Throughout the league. I know it's only two starts, but if he continues pitching the way he is, he's going to be up for a Cy Young. We saw what he did in the American League. He was up for a Cy Young yep. last year before he got hit in the head with a baseball. This rotation with those top three guys could be unstoppable. It's scary. Good. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into some basketball and football. I do believe the Jets are still trying to make a trade for a wide receiver. There are still some talks uh, with Debo Samuel as as a guy that they'd be interested in. Uh, they're going to have to give up a significant amount back for him. I don't know if San Francisco is willing to trade him. Uh, we all know he wants to get traded if he doesn't get his money. And the draft is right around the corner. When we come back here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Aaron Marks. My co-host, Speedy. PD. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android. World Wide Sports Radio Network. Some basketball conversation. Right now, the Brooklyn Nets are the seventh seed. In the NBA playoffs, the Brooklyn Nets would be matched up against the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics, in the second half of the season, have been amongst the top three teams in wins. Tatum, who started off the season horribly. Jalen Brown, who's been the best all-around player for that team, has really changed. He's not the same player he was in the beginning of the season. He's probably taking steps back, but... Jalen Brown has been a fantastic player throughout this season, too, defensively especially. And the Boston Celtics have possibly the defensive player of the year in Marcus Smart. The Brooklyn Nets going into the playoffs are playing better basketball. Now, what worries me about the Brooklyn Nets going into a five- or seven-game series against a better team is they don't have the defense to compete with the better offensive teams. Now, Ben Simmons is not playing in the first round. It, it seems like he's not. 
Yeah, he said at the earliest he'd come back in game four, so we'll see. If he does come back in that series, listen, if they could get through from Boston, if they could get through Boston, I think the Nets could absolutely make the pl- make the finals. Because you get Ben Simmons back, if you're matched up against Milwaukee, which you'll probably be matched up against Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals, because they would play Miami in the second round. The the Nets would have a long way all the yeah, way to. Yeah, it'd be to, really hard. It's going to be really really hard. They would have to go through Boston, then Miami, then Milwaukee. Okay, if if all these teams actually play to their you know expectations, so that's going to be a hard route. So they're going to need Ben Simmons in the second round, and they're going to need Ben Simmons in the third round against Milwaukee if they play Milwaukee. They need to take pressure off of Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant cannot defend the best player on the other teams. And usually the other player is 6'8", 6'9", or 7'. Now, Kevin Durant is not known for his defense. He's, he is a decent defensive player, but right. he's not known for his defense. He's known for his offense. And against Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals, he was worn out last year. He was yeah, – yes, you're going to say, well, he, he, he got that team to Game 7. That's great. They made that trade for Ben Simmons for Milwaukee. Because Milwaukee, you get Ben Simmons on the Greek Freak. I, I think Ben Simmons could definitely handle the Freak. Now, I, I don't know if he'll stop him, but he'll be able to contain him. And if you can contain him to 22 to 23 points a game, you can win. But the Brooklyn Nets, they have to get through Boston first. And, and, and the Boston Celtics, they you know obviously Williams is hurt right now. He should be back for the playoffs. This team is stacked. They're a very good team. They're good defensively minded mind team. They're very well uh, taught and coached by their new coach, who obviously Jeff thinks is going to be coach of the year. <laughs> Naturally. Um, but I, I think the Nets could get over the hump against Boston. It'll be interesting if Ben Simmons does end up coming back in this series. because if, I don't think he will. I don't know if he will either, but the, the, regardless, if he does come back for a Game 5, I guess you could say, or Game 4 target date, they still will have to win two games in Boston. And that's going to be the biggest key. Now, the Nets do have the scoring prowess that the Celtics, if one of Tatum or Brown is off, might have the advantage in, in that case. We know Tatum has been a good playoff player in his career so far. Jalen Brown's been kind of up and down for, Celt- for the Celtics. Horrible. Yeah. So, again, the Nets might have that advantage if they are somehow able to play good team defense on one of them. And it'd also be a good test for this new coach, too, in Adoka, with this defensive system that's been very good, carried over from Brad Stevens. Because the Celtics have better depth with their defensive players, not as much with their offensive players. Peyton Pritchard's a solid shooter off the bench, and they have Aaron Neesmith as a nice young player. But it's not big names that are going to be like six-man-a-year type guys. So the Nets, if they could get that scoring prowess going and somebody else is off, could steal, a game of ball. could steal a <laughs> game in Boston. I think, I, I wouldn't say the Nets have the advantage to win the series, but I do think this will be a closer first-round matchup in comparison to the other top three seeds. I think I think Milwaukee... Over- I, say, I say the Brooklyn Nets knock off the Boston Celtics. They, they could if Ben Simmons comes back, because I think if they if he comes even, back... Even without Ben Simmons. If he comes back and is able to defend one of them well, then they could use the depth of their advantage a little more. Now, Young players, you never know who's going to break out at any given time. I always say inexperience is not necessarily negative experience. I would, I would say with 
the Celtics' young core, especially if they get Williams back, it'll be a lot of first time for them, too. But it'll also be a lot of first time for this Nets team that's mostly young players off the bench now, too, and the players they got in the James Harden trade. So judge that accordingly. We've seen Seth Curry be a good playoff player in the past, which could give an advantage to the Nets as well. Boston versus the Nets is going to be an interesting series. It it really is. I, I expect it to be fun to watch. I think all these series should be matched up very well. I, I, I think Miami is definitely the favorites to come out of the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. I think so, um, too. But watch out for Milwaukee because I, I do still think Milwaukee, they're a championship team. They've always been a championship team. And every year, they for some reason, they their games just pick up in the, in, in the playoffs. Yeah, they've been that, this team, too. Second half team. They were, I think, a five seed at the All-Star break, and they've picked it up to now that they're a three seed. It'll be interesting, though, if they face Miami again, because we've seen the tale of, like, two revenge. Miami owned them in the bubble, and then Milwaukee got their revenge last year. So if they play again, it's going to be interesting. I would My bets would be on... On Miami, uh, me too, because I feel like there's going to be just this back and forth revenge factor, I and think, they've overcame injuries so well this year too. And and Miami has a lot of depth. Their their mm. bench is good. Oladipo's back. I mean, this is a good team. And, and Jimmy Butler already came out and said, and I, I said it on on the sports loudmouths. There are stories coming out that if Miami is not a championship bound team this year, uh, he might want out of Miami, which. Is not very good to hear when it might be good for the Knicks because I mean, I don't know if Miami would trade with the Knicks, but uh, Pat Riley trading with the Knicks. <laughs> I don't think that would happen, but uh, I know Jimmy Butler wanted to be a Nick, mm-hmm. you know, at one point, uh, and maybe he wants to go to another team and, 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 and win with another team. But he, Miami has their best chance we've seen since really LeBron James's era over yep. there with Dwayne Wade and, and Chris Bosch. So uh, hopefully. We see uh, a dominance of uh, of where this team thought they were going to be as the season progressed. It irks me the way NBA fans talk about Chris Paul. Okay, everybody looks at Chris Paul as a secondhand point guard. They don't realize that Chris Paul has been the best point guard in the NBA for the last ten years, twelve years. I remember. When people were trying to compare Darren Williams to Chris Paul. To Chris Paul. Yeah, the Darren Williams just got lost with the Nets. I remember that. Now, over the last couple of years, we hear, Steph, Steph, Steph Curry is the best point guard in the NBA. Steph Curry has never been the best point guard in the NBA. Okay? He might be the best shooter in the NBA. Or three-point shooter in the NBA. No question. You can't even argue that. But to even put him in the same realm as Chris Paul, it's ridiculous. Everywhere Chris Paul has been and Chris Paul has played, he has taken that team to higher heights. Speedy, you've brought up the numbers. You have the numbers. You heard something. Why don't you tell the fans on what makes Chris Paul so special. So Chris Paul has the franchise record now of four different teams for franchise wins. The Hornets, where he started with, got drafted. The Clippers, the Rockets, and now the Phoenix Suns. All four of those teams have their single season, 60-plus win seasons because of Chris Paul. Franchise history. Golden State, okay, has Steph Curry without Klay Thompson... 
or or Draymond Green or Kevin Durant ever taken his team to those high heights? And don't say this year because Steph Curry was hurt at a significant amount of time this year. And Steph Curry has not been the same player he has been over the last couple of years. And Steph Curry last year when he didn't have Klay Thompson, didn't have Kevin Durant, and barely had Draymond Green, he couldn't do it. They didn't even make the main playoffs, okay? So please, and Phoenix, you're going to say, well, Phoenix. Phoenix had a bunch of young players, and before Chris Paul was there, they were what? 14th worst team in the NBA. Yeah, they were a bubble team that barely made it to that uh, the, that play-in tournament initially, and they didn't get to the playoffs. They're one. a completely different team with Chris Paul, okay? Chris Paul, when he went to OKC, was a completely different team over there when he was at OKC for the year that he was there, when he was traded for Russell Westbrook. By the way, Houston made a big mistake doing that, <laughs> okay? It, it is – it's hilarious. It really is. Now to say, do I think Chris Paul is one of the top three, top four point guards in NBA history? No. Top five? Yes. Top three, top four? No. Do I think Steph Curry's in the top five? No. No. Not even close. Okay? And I'm tired of hearing it from all you fans out there that love Steph Curry that want to kiss his ass. He is not one of the best point guards of all time. And to say that he is, it's a joke. And it's, it's – I understand you're a fan of his. You love his shimmy. You love his stupidity on the court, his three-point prowess. And, oh, my God, best shooter I've ever seen. He probably is. He is not the best point guard in the NBA. He has never been the best point guard in the NBA. Not as long as this man has been in the NBA, okay? And that's a fact. And I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear the comparisons to anybody that's going to come to me on social media – Go on, you know, go on in my emails and send me emails that I, I, I hate Steph Curry, and that's why I can't give him the respect. I don't hate Steph Curry. I think he's overrated. I think he's an overrated point guard. That's it. So I don't want to hear it anymore. That's the facts, okay? And I don't want to see or hear anything, because I'm going to tell you this right now. Golden State going to the playoffs, do I think they're going to win a championship? No. Do I think they're going to knock off Phoenix if they play Phoenix in the playoffs? No. They don't have the depth. And if they're going to depend on Steph Curry, which, by the way, missed a significant amount of time because he hurt his finger or his wrist. Yeah, he's still not going to be coming back 100% if he does. They have not a chance to beat the Phoenix Suns. I think the Phoenix Suns are going to go to the NBA Finals again this year. And I'm telling you right now, with that depth, if they can stay healthy and Chris Paul is 100% healthy, they win the whole thing. They're going to win the whole thing. And I think they're going to win it with ease. I don't think Miami's going to beat them. I don't think Milwaukee's going to beat them. I don't think the Celtics could beat them. I don't think Phoenix could beat them. I, I, and I, I th- Phoenix. I don't think Philadelphia could beat them. The only team that something tells me if they can compete with them, if somehow Brooklyn gets the finals with Ben Simmons. Wow. You think they can beat the Suns? I think they can match up against the Suns because of their size. Hmm. The problem with Phoenix this year was their size. They have a size problem. They have DeAndre Ayton. They have some bigger you know, guards. But their middle, their front three, they're not big team. They don't have a big bench. They're not that big. They're fast and very good defensively sound by Monty Williams. But the, with the size that the Nets will have, if they get Ben Simmons back, I think Ben Simmons would be an absolute 
great thing for the Brooklyn Nets if they, somehow the Brooklyn Nets get to the final. I don't think they will. Uh, they got to get through a huge amount of you know expectations. They got to go from they got to go from the Celtics to Miami to Milwaukee and then play Phoenix. That would be one of the greatest yeah. runs we've ever seen. Oh yeah. You know, it, it would be fantastic. And probably it would mark Kevin Durant as one of the great basketball players yes. of this era, you know, if he does that. So that's that's all I can say about that. As far as the NFL is concerned, I know all the New York teams are sitting here waiting for this draft. I think if you're a Jet fan, you're happy for what the Jets have done this offseason. You're not happy for how strong the AFC has gotten. The AFC is a powerhouse division uh, conference now. Uh, you look how good the Chargers have gotten. You look how good Las Vegas has gotten. You look how good the Broncos have gotten. Baltimore, even Pittsburgh has gotten better. The Browns with Deshaun Watson. Buffalo has gotten weaker. I, I really do believe that. I don't think they're as strong as they have been even though I still think they're the best team in that division. And New England hasn't gotten better. They're, they're pretty much yeah. where they are. But they were a good team last year. Miami's gotten better. The AFC has become a powerhouse. And that's what scares me as a Jet fan, because even though the Jets are probably not going to have to play that, co- that division this year, I don't think they're matched up against that division this no, year. No, they're AFC North they got to play, though. Yeah, but that's still hard. <laughs> They're going to have to see those those teams and those quarterbacks one way or another. And Zach Wilson's going to need to explode right off, you know, the sheets this year. I think he needs going to really have to show people why the Jets made that move and, and, and decided to trade Sam Darnold, which wasn't a mistake. We all know that now. But Zach Wilson's going to have to take two steps forward. But they need a wide receiver. It is definitely a weakness that they have. Um, they've been looking for one. They went after Tyreek Hill. There were, co- there were stories coming out that they w- were interested in Levant, uh, Devontae Adams. Um, maybe they go after Michael Thomas. I mean, he is available. Uh, I'm surprised that you haven't heard Michael Thomas's name, but I, I don't know if the Jets want to take a chance with Michael Yeah, it's Thomas. more – he's a, if, in a – predicament like Deshaun Watson was because not, not that he had the off-field issues, but they haven't, he hasn't played in a while, so that's going to hurt his value for what the Saints are trying to push to trade him for. So I, I don't know if they go after him. Debo Samuels is a name. He's a very good fit for the, the New York Jets. Mike LaFleur coached, in him as a wide, coached him as a wide receiver coach over there in San Francisco. Robert Sala knows him very well. I think they would love to get Debo over there. I think they would absolutely adore it. What they're going to have to give up for him and what they're going to have to pay him. He wants $25 million a year. He wants to be the, the high, amongst the league's best paid wide receivers in the league. Now, does he deserve it? Yes. Do I think San Francisco will eventually do it? Not this year, but I think the year after when they decide what they're going to do with Jimmy Garoppolo, I think they will give him the money. I think he's worth it. Um, he's still fairly young. He's 24, 25 years old. He still has a lot of football left. If the Jets could get him, do it. But they're going to have to decide what they're doing in this draft. Garrett Wilson, if he's their number one guy, if you don't think he's sitting there at 10, I guess Jeff's right. Draft him at four. I mean, if you think he is an all-in-all top-end talent and you think he's going to be a, a world beater at your wide receiver position, you draft him at four. Decide what you're going to do at 10 whenever that comes to it. You need a pass rusher at 10, you can get a good pass rusher at 10. 
I, 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 you can get Walker at ten or somebody like that. I, mm. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just jump the gun if you think that Garrett Wilson won't be there at four. I mean, at ten. Well, the other scenario too is if anyone else in the top three does something unconventional too, mm. Jacksonville or Detroit drafts something that we don't expect. We've heard the Texans are very interested in Sauce Gardner, so if they go Sauce Gardner, that means either Evan Neal or one of those top two pass rushers will be available at four for the Jets. So play that scenario as it is. I know you mentioned that if Evan Neal is available at four and the other two pass rushers are gone, you would consider trading. Absolutely, pick, which would be stupid not. Which to. would make a lot of sense if they want Garrett Wilson, especially too, because if they could trade back even just a little bit with Atlanta or the Panthers or something like that, they could still get Garrett Wilson in that spot. Because I doubt the Giants are going to be taking a wide receiver with one of their first two picks. Could you imagine either. the Giants getting Evan Neal sitting there licking their lips at five? I mean, they they've never gotten any luck in the draft over the last couple of years. It would just fall together for them. To get Evan Neal, then they have Thomas on one side. They can move Thomas to the right side and Neal on the on the left side, and you solidified your 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 tackle positions for the next ten years. I mean, the Giants would be in a very good position if that ever happens. Do I think it's going to happen? No, because I I could see the Jets doing it. Yeah. I could see the Jets at four, uh, sitting there, knowing that the Giants are sitting right behind them, and they know that Evan Neal will be going to the Giants. There'll be teams calling them up asking them what do you want for that pick. And I, I honestly think that if they're sitting there at four with Evan Neal right in the they, – they, the Jets don't need him. They, right. It, it makes no sense why the Jets would bring him in. They, they just signed uh, Lincoln Tomlinson uh, over there uh, to move to the left guard position. They're moving – Elijah Veritaka was fantastic guard last year over there. And they have another good tackle who played very well last year. Now, if they don't think Makai Beckham is the guy, now the the Jets could do this. I, I I could I could see them doing this, and I I don't know if they can move Elijah Veritaka could play center. He has done it before. He did it in San, he did it when he was in USC. Uh, he played guard. He played tackle. He played center. He could do it. I don't know if he's going to want to do that. Yeah, I think he's. I would no. I think it'd be a harder transition to center actually for him for the type of player he is. I actually think he could be effective as a tackle with his movement though. Um, maybe they trade Font. You know, being that. Yeah. Accent. Uh, if they think Evan Neal is, is the guy for the future, maybe they trade Font and move Evan Neal uh, to the tackle position. I don't know what the Jets are planning to do. I don't think that's what they're going to do. I think that if uh, if Neal is sitting there at four, they trade out of that spot, uh, maybe two or three spots. If Carolina wants a tackle, which they need one desperately, um, they, they already gave them their second and fourth. So what they would have to do is either give the Jets their second next year and a third this year. I, I think that would seal the deal yeah. to to move up in that position. I, I don't even think you have to do it. Maybe they'll give the Jets their third and, and a second next year. I don't know how how that's going to work. Well, I just said that. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know how it's going to work. Maybe it's not them. Maybe it's Atlanta. Maybe Atlanta wants to move up there yep. for Evan Neal. And Atlanta gives up their second-round draft pick uh, to move up to that position. So – I, I think a lot of teams will be very surprised if he's sitting there at four because a lot of people thought Evan Neal was the best player in this year's draft. So, uh, interesting. As far as the the Giants are concerned, I, I think it's it's offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. They need to protect this kid. If they think that this kid is their future, and I do believe he is. I do. And I think, Speedy, you're starting to think that he is too. I'm starting to believe that at least he gets a chance this year. I don't think there's a quarterback worth 
leapfrogging him, whether they end up being better or not. It's not going to be by much. I don't think there's anyone in this draft that I would take in the first round where it's going to be a great value pick. We've seen teams build up and build up the rest of the team and then get the quarterback later and have that kind of thing work, whether it's a veteran quarterback or whether it's a young quarterback. You look at the Chiefs. before. I know they purged assets recently, but they, had, they drafted Patrick Mahomes when they comfortably build up the rest of the team pretty well, and then Patrick Mahomes developed into the star that he is now. You're seeing it now with the Buccaneers and the Rams, the last two Super Bowl winners. Buccaneers built up the rest of the team, then go sign Tom Brady. Rams build up the rest of the team. They figured Jared Goff wasn't working. They trade for Matthew Stafford. It works that way for a lot of these teams that end up making it. So I want the Giants to adopt that mold. If the quarterback, if Daniel Jones doesn't work out this year, there'll be a better quarterback class next year, or there'll be a better quarterback class the year after, or they could trade for somebody. Who knows? But they have to get it to a position where they become a desirable spot. In order to do that, they have to build up the rest of the team first. Mm-hmm. And that's why Evan Neal sitting there at five would be the, right. the unbelievable spot for them. And I think you would be happy. I think oh, yeah. every John. I'm hoping for the, the, the best scenario. I'm hoping for either a Neal slide or a Thibodeau slide. Yeah, well, Thibodeau, I think, is sliding. Yeah. It seems like he is. Unless the Jets decide to draft him at four, right. and then Neil goes to the Giants at five. Yeah. I mean, it works out for both teams. So we just got to hope Detroit does something weird. That's really it. Because if, if the Texans take Gardner or they take Kyle Hamilton like they've been interested in, then that'll leave one of them. Which is not a bad move for both. No, it's not. I didn't say it was a bad move for the Texans. I'm just saying that if that's the case where those pass rushers and the offensive linemen don't go early, then they're one of those, could one of those guys could slide. I could see Hamilton falling to 10 for the Jets. It's and, possible, yeah. And if, if he falls to 10, are the Jets going to draft a pass rusher or are they going to draft Hamilton? I think right. they're going to draft Hamilton sitting there at 10 because I know the Jets really like him. So, uh, And then they're, they're going to have to decide what they're doing with the wide receiver because if Thibodeau goes to the Jets at 4 and Hamilton goes to the Jets at 10, then the Jets are going to have to decide what they're doing with the wide receiver position. Right. Because you can't pass up on Kyle Hamilton at 10. Nope. You can't. No matter how, how important it is to find another wide receiver, Kyle Hamilton could change your defense. So it, it just – I don't know. I, I could see the Jets going two defensive players. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, Speedy, what do we got? Crunch time! Here on the Weekend Crunch. <laughs> We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Coach. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember to listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Shout out to our Moneyline Mania team. They were fantastic today. Shout out to our special guest, Antoine Harris. He was fantastic. Love the guy. Uh, looking forward to uh, getting him out here on Long Island and doing some of those sneaker expos mm-hmm. with him. He is unbelievable. Really fantastic uh, player. He was. He was a couple of years. He was a, he was a good player for Atlanta and uh, now is uh, enjoying his life uh, after his retirement. So shout out to Antoine Harris. Speedy, are we ready? Yep, it is time for Crunch Time. It's time for Crunch Time. All right, we'll start in the NBA playoffs. Buy or sell, the Celtics, or the Nets will take the Celtics to six games or more. 
Absolutely. I think the Nets win the series. I think they're the better team. I know Ben Simmons is not going to be in this series, but I don't trust a rookie coach. And Tatum and Jalen Brown throughout the playoffs over the last couple of years have not looked together as a tandem. I think the the Celtics in the offseason are going to decide what they're going to have to do with one or the other. I think it's going to be Jalen Brown on his way out. Um, I do believe that the Celtics have played very good defensively as a team, but I just don't think... That I think the Nets are built to, to for the playoffs with Kyrie Irving and now Kevin Durant. I think that this team is meant to to do the things that I expect them to do. So I do believe the Brooklyn Nets could surprise everybody and take this team to a six or seven game series. Yeah, I'm going to buy it too. Even if Ben Simmons doesn't come back, I do think the series will still go six games. If Ben Simmons does come back, I think they can pull off the upset because then they'll have a little more of the defensive prowess because the Celtics' offensive depth is not great comparatively to the Nets. So if anyone goes into a shooting slump at any point in time for the Celtics, the Nets could definitely steal some of those games. So I am also going to buy it. All right, buy or sell. Both New York goalies will be Vezina Trophy finalists this year. I'm going to sell it. I, I, I think that um, Sorokin deserves a lot of credit for what he has done this year. He's had, uh, what, six, seven shutouts. He, he's yeah, he's second the, in the NHL. He's, yep. he's, he's amongst the league's best at that. And uh, I feel bad for him because the Islanders in the beginning of the season didn't give him much of anything. Uh, and he's been a big part of the reason why they've been where they are and they, they are where they are today. But I, I, I do not believe both of them are going to be there. I think Sestorkin will be. He's had a fabulous full season. and team has really backed him up. So I'm going to sell that. I'm going to buy it for the purpose of, I don't know if there's a definitive third guy. You say Saros is in that mix too. But Nashville's if, if they miss the playoffs too, they could miss the playoffs as well. Are they going to factor into that much over the Islanders missing the playoffs as well in a weaker Western Conference as a whole too? Vasilevsky and Shesterkin are going to be definitive. But I don't really see another one. So I, I'm going to buy it. I think those stats will end up elevating him. All right. Buy or sell. The Browns will not be able to trade Baker Mayfield. Um, I'm going to sell that. I, I think they will. I think there are three or four different teams that will be interested in, in Baker before the draft or maybe during the draft. I expect Baker to be traded, especially going into this year draft where there's no uh, big-time quarterback. I think there are teams going to be looking for a quarterback that they can put right in and, and have him challenge the other quarterback for the position. So I am going to sell that. I'm going to sell it, too. I think they'll end up having to sell short eventually if it gets even worse with the way that he's complaining about fans booing and stuff. And Atlanta's gotten some interest now. The Panthers are back on the market to have interest in it. So I am going to sell it as well. All right, buy or sell. Jacob DeGrom will not pitch for the Mets until June. <laughs> I, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> it's, it's the Mets' luck. I, I just don't trust that the Mets are going to be um, in, in a good position when it comes to these pitchers. I, I, I think uh, Max Scherzer will have problems uh, sometime this year, which I predicted. But I, I, I do. I, I don't think Jacob DeGrom will. Jacob DeGrom will be ready until June. He still has to have his spring training again because he's got to get his arm warmed up. And, and with a significant injury like this, like we talked about, connected to his back, uh, he's going to need time to heal, so I am going to buy it. I'm going to sell it. I agree with you with the Mets injury luck. I'm going to sell it. I think they're going to end up giving him back too early, and I'm worried about re-injury. We've seen the Mets do that all the time with pitchers, especially if the other starters get worn out, which I could see happening. Now, so far, they've done well with Carrasco, McGill, and Bassett pitching very well, but will it last is another question, and we've seen the Mets rush these pitchers back, so I just don't know if I necessarily are going to trust it, so I am going to sell it. They'll rush it back, and I'm worried about him getting re-injured. All right, buy or sell. The Rangers will surpass the Hurricanes for the number one seed in the Metropolitan by the end of the season. I'm going to buy it. 
I think the Rangers win the. I, I think they win the conference. I think the Rangers are the better team, uh, really, in the second half of the season. I think Carolina hasn't played as well as I expected them to play, like they were playing early in the in the beginning of the season, and really after the All Star break, they have really died down. They're not the same team. Uh, I do believe they're the better team, but I think the Rangers win the conference, so I will buy it. I'm going to sell it. I think the, the Rangers have had some many, too many bad games against bad teams where I feel like that could hinder them towards the end of the year. I don't think Carolina will stumble this much for that long. I know they got a tough one tonight it's against game. Colorado. It's, it's, it's two points, one game that they have to tie it up right now. So it's, it's definitely possible, but I think the experience will end up helping Carolina later on. I will sell it. All right, one more. Either the Suns or the Bucks, one of them at least, will return to the NBA Finals. The Suns, 100%. I think the Suns are the better team. Uh, if Chris Paul stays healthy, only if Chris Paul stays healthy, I think it'll be smooth sailing for the Phoenix Suns. I don't think anybody, as good as the it's top-heavy, as good as the West is, I don't think anybody could beat him in a seven-game series with Chris Paul 100%. So I am going to buy at least one of them, and I would say Phoenix. Yeah, I, mean, I agree with you. I think it'll be the Suns as well. The, the Grizzlies are deep, I understand that, but I think the Suns are just deeper at this point and a little more experienced carry over from that. Uh, whoever comes out with Golden State and Denver are both dealing with injuries, so I think that's going to be a big problem, even though they both have good depth. And then I don't trust the Jazz or the Mavericks. Luka Doncic now hurt, too. Not ideal. And the Jazz with all the, everything going on with them. I am going definitely, I am definitely going to buy this. The Suns go back to the finals. Well, 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 that's the end of our show, ladies and gentlemen. I, I just want to say this to all the fans out there that listen to this show every single week. Keep tuning in as Moneyline Mania has been fantastic. They're on target every single week. Really amazing what these guys do uh, with Worldwide West. Chaz, his his team of just fantastic handicappers. They, they're fantastic. Uh, we're going to have great guests. Antoine Harris, thank you, Antoine, for joining us. You were fantastic. A great interview with you. Uh, and, I, and I'm definitely going to reach out to you with your sneakers. And guys, check out Sneakerhead University. He is fantastic. He has got a boatload of sneakers that you guys will be interested in, which you can't buy on the market anymore. They're the unbelievable uh, amount. And he, by the way, you get $41 off because of his number 41. And we get half off, so I'm, I'm happy about that. So <laughs> shout out to Antoine. He's got to send me his catalog. I, I'm going to be looking at sneakers. Um, we will be back next week with a new and improved show. And keep on cashing. Keep listening to us. We'll be back next week. As always, good night, everybody.